This is Live Music Capital, a podcast about the business and politics of making music in Austin, Texas, and beyond. Live Music Capital is powered by Austin City Jams. Now, here's your host, Eric Lycom. Thank you, Mark Waldy. Hello and welcome to another edition of Live Music Capital. I am Eric Lycom, a longtime musician and music journalist and broadcaster. I appreciate all the support that the relaunch of this podcast has enjoyed thus far. I'm looking forward to where this journey will go, and I'm glad to have you along for the ride. In this edition, we'll hear reaction about Austin artists who did very well at the Grammys. We'll get caught up with the latest surrounding the Austin Live Music Fund. We'll chat with a couple of people that were instrumental in making Austin become the live music capital of the world that it is today. And the Texas Music Office turns 30. All that coming now on Live Music Capital. It was one of the best days for Austin artists ever at the 62nd Annual Grammy Awards. Austinites hauled home six of the awards. Gary Clark Jr. was nominated for four and won three, including Best Contemporary Blues Album for This Land and both Best Rock Song and Best Rock Performance for the title track. Wow. Um, just real quick, I want to thank um, Arlen Studios in Austin, Texas, Jacob Skiba, Joseph Holen, for uh, holding me down, producing, writing, engineering. Uh, my wife, Nicole, holding it down while I'm in the studio. Um, my team, Warner, uh, Scooter Weintraub, Pam Adams, you know, my band live in the studio, and everybody who's paid attention and showed love, you know, that's all I got. I appreciate you. Thank you. Hi, Ma. Willie Nelson won his 10th career Grammy as well as the third in the last four years for Best Solo Country Performance. Patty Griffin's self-titled album won her her second Grammy for Best Folk Album. Her previous Grammy was for a gospel album. And blues legend Delbert McClinton won Best Traditional Blues Album Grammy for his Tall, Dark, and Handsome, beating out Austin's Jimmy Vaughn. Austin artist Black Pumas were up for Best New Artist. Austin choral group Conspirare was also nominated for Best Choral Performance. I caught up with Austin's own Christine Albert, who, when not performing live or running her great nonprofit organization Swan Songs, which grants musical last wishes to terminally ill patients, serves as chair emeritus for the Grammys. It's amazing. It's like uh, Best Contemporary Blues, uh, Gary Clark Jr., Best Traditional Blues, Delbert McClinton. That one was uh, especially gratifying for me because I used to open for Delbert in New Mexico before I moved here in the late 70s. So I've been a huge Delbert fan for a long time, and then he's been a supporter of Swan Songs. He and Wendy um, have been very supportive of Swan Songs and played one of our uh, annual events. And I'm just a big fan, so it was exciting to be able to vote for him and then to see him win. Oh, that's that's <laughs> great. And then uh, you know, Willie won and uh, yeah. Patty Griffin and won. Griffin for Folk Album and then Sarah Jarose with uh, I'm With Her for Song, American mm-hmm. Roots Song. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it was great. And the Black Pumas were nominated. So what do you think this um, says about Austin music here in 2020 with all these Grammy wins? Uh, well, I think... Part of it is the change in the music industry, is that uh, music is just more accessible to people and it doesn't have to be the most mainstream 
um, heaviest airplay, heaviest promotion. I mean, obviously, Delbert's very well known, and Gary Clark Jr. is, you know, really hot right now. Um, but to me, it feels like the playing field is a little bit more level, um, that people can get recognized for their work. And I think the Grammy process also does that. Is really about the music, not necessarily the uh, popularity at the time or the mainstream recognition. So I would think that, you know, this bevy of awards is a pretty big feather in the cap for Austin. And, um, I mean, Austin has always had a, a great reputation, you know, for music and has for decades, but this can't hurt. Yeah, no, I don't think so. You know, we're live music capital of the world, um, mm-hmm. so it's nice to get the recorded music also acknowledged. Yeah. So uh, what do you think about the future for Austin then? Um, well, I think uh, we have some challenges with affordable housing and musicians um, being paid a living wage and being able to afford to stay here. It's, it's definitely a, a challenge. Even though the music industry in Texas generates billions of dollars, it's still uh, hard for a working musician to eke out a living. Uh, so that's something that we'll just have to, as a community, continue to look at and find solutions for. Christine is proud of the charitable and philanthropic work that the Grammy Museum Foundation and Music Cares is doing. I love the the Grammy Foundation. Like, there's always been the Recording Academy, which is the umbrella organization that the awards fall under, and then the Music Cares is the 501c3. That's a health and human services nonprofit that provides assistance to musicians in times of need, whether it's uh, counseling after the Las Vegas shooting, country music festival shooting, or instruments after Katrina, or uh, help with medical bills or living expenses when you have unexpected surgeries or illness. And I've, I'm on the board of Music Cares in addition to the Recording Academy, and I really love it. I just think that's that organization is so valuable and uh just you know provides such an incredible service for the music community so that's has my heart (laughs) and is part of why I got involved in the first place why I ran for the local board initially and then the Grammy Foundation used to be the educational component but the Grammy Museum was created and they sort of overlapped so they merged so it's the Grammy Museum Foundation Mm -hmm. so there's a lot of programs in high schools um, and uh, workshops and Grammy camp and jazz camp, but there's also physical Grammy museum programs. Mm. And an interesting thing is that uh, Billie Eilish, um, she and her brother were homeschooled, and they live in L.A., so they went to programs, music programs, uh, workshops at the Grammy Museum when they were teenagers. She's still a teenager. (laughs) So part of their musical education and production education came from the Grammy Museum Foundation. Oh, that's interesting. And that's really interesting to see it turn around that fast. In all, 13 Texas acts won 17 Grammys, including Lizzo from Houston's Three Winds and Tanya Tucker winning her first Grammys in her long and storied career. While Christine would like to see more voting members in areas not necessarily in music centers like Austin for diversity's sake, she did reveal a recent change in the voting process. We changed the the academy changed the membership qualifications so that you have to requalify every five years. Because mm-hmm. it used to be if you joined in 1973 because you had made a record, uh, you were a member for life as long as you kept 
paying, mm-hmm. even if you hadn't really been involved in the music business since that time. If you had a to- totally different career, and was you know, the, I think the membership and the trustees and the membership committee started realizing to have very active voters who are current, so that it's a peer-to-peer award. You kind of have to keep an eye on that and make sure that um, that people really are voting as uh, a a creative, mm-hmm. that someone that's involved creatively, not not just as, grandfathered in, or yeah, something. That, and you know, just because they want to get tickets or because they're music fans, but it's just different. It's mm-hmm. a different kind of way to vote. So mm-hmm. that well, changed that. recently, changed mm-hmm. in the last few years. Well, that makes the uh, the whole process healthier. I would yeah, think. it's just kind of a you know, and it's not a strict, you know, if you haven't recorded, I mean, it's a pretty low bar. It's like, you know, one track in the last five years or something. Um, but, you know, it's also, you know, based on, if you, if you can see that that person's still actively creative, then mm-hmm. it's a, a pretty low bar to requalify. But there were a lot of people that really weren't involved anymore in that. Christine and her husband, Chris Gage, who together are known as Albert and Gage, were honored recently by the Austin City Council. The council also commemorated Christine's work with Swan Songs, which we will profile on a future edition of Live Music Capital. On Monday, February 3rd, a working group tasked with developing ideas for the best ways to spend a projected $3 million from hotel occupancy tax money for local commercial music convened. At the regular Austin Music Commission meeting that followed, Participants, including Patrice Pike, explained what went on in the working group meeting, including when the meetings will actually happen. That was a big part of the conversation, and part of the problem was that many of us work on Saturdays also, and it would take out a multiple people on, the, on this task force where we would just not be able to comply with the schedule. The working group also discussed how they would lay the groundwork for future meetings and what stakeholders would be able to participate. We talked about phases where... Our decisions today were around ideas about what information did we want to bring in from other organizations uh, so that we could understand how, for instance, the cultural arts group had, um, you know, how to disperse money and so on. And then we talked about sort of this developing process over the course of in the front half of the time that we're working to get more information together. And then rather than every week or every other week it being on a Saturday, creating not only the opportunity for us to talk about it in here as a high priority for the commission, where it is a public forum and they can actually talk with us and give us feedback, but also where we could develop for a few weeks and then talk, and then with enough time for the public to be able to to plan to attend, we would plan some public opportunities, whether it be a Saturday or a Sunday or whatever we can figure out so that we don't lose you know, whether it be three or four or five, especially with summer coming because it's touring time. And so just trying to, I felt like today there really wasn't kind of a feeling that we don't want the public to be involved. It was more how can we protect the process? How can we make sure everyone that's committed to doing this is actually able to be present? And then how can we plan for the public to be involved, not only with the Speak Up Austin and the other opportunities like commission meetings, but can we do that in a way where um, everyone stays engaged? And, and we didn't really decide exactly how, but unanimously everyone everyone wants that to happen. 
and today was our first meeting, so it was a lot. There was talk of expanding the membership of the Live Music Fund Working Group, whose next meeting is scheduled for Monday, February 24. It remains to be seen how much public participation will be invited, but the members and the commission wanted to ensure transparency. Before commissioners moved on to other business, musician Colin McDonald appeared before the commission with this unexpected proposal. I just wanted to speak real quick on the hot funds and everything, and uh, I have a really unpopular idea that I think would be awesome if we did, uh, but it will never work. But here it is anyway. Uh, What if we as a music community came together and said, no thanks, use this money for the other issues in the city that are affecting the quality of life in the city? more than musicians my main point there is uh, i'm a musician i make all of my income playing music or doing something with music we choose this life to be musicians somebody that's struggling in the city because of circumstances that they don't choose i think should take priority over musicians also if we did that it would be the greatest marketing campaign for austin musicians Ever. That suggestion did not appear to be well received. The commission also discussed the issues of musician pay and agent of change, which we'll recap on the next Live Music Capital. Austin's reputation and branding as the live music capital of the world has been around for decades, but did you ever wonder how it got started? Well, two people are generally credited for making it happen. Nancy Wise Coplin and former Austin City Council member Michael Max Novziger. I sat down with Nancy and Max at her South Austin home recently to get their story on how Austin became the live music capital of the world. Little background first Nancy Wise Coplin was an Austin musician advocate since 1983 and was the first chair of the Austin Music Commission. Max Nofziger came to Austin from Ohio in 1974 and began selling flowers on the street corner of Congress and 6th downtown while learning how to play guitar. Max began to seek public office in 1979. He ran unsuccessfully for city council twice and for mayor twice and lost before being elected to the council in 1987. That's where Nancy picks up the story. This is how I perceive it happening, and this is how it happened. Okay. I was friends with a musician named Lillian Stanfield, who was a great blues singer. Mm -hmm. And she called me one night and she said, hey, I just drove into Austin and saw Austin City Limits sign coming in. We should have a sign posted outside of Austin, music capital of Texas. And I went, you know what? (laughs) We're having a music commission public hearing tomorrow night. You should come down and bring that up and present it to the commission and she said okay I will and she did and we had a big discussion and we decided to um, make a recommendation to the city council so we wrote it up and we sent it to the council and they wanted more information is that correct Max that's Uh, when we I I think maybe we directed Bob Meyer to start doing that research uh, because initially we were looking for Music Capital of Texas, and then after I met with Max, he wanted the universe, but we hmm. narrowed it down a little bit to the world. Yeah, well, let me tell that part of it, because that's, <laughs> I don't know where it originated. I've heard this Lillian Stanfield 
story before, and then other people have claimed. I know. And I go, well, I don't know how it got to the Music Commission. All I know is that Nancy brought it to me and said, and another thing we want to do is declare Austin to be the live music capital of Texas. And I went, well, I like the idea of a slogan, but why be modest? This is Texas. I mean, let's beat our chest a little bit, and we can be the live music capital of the universe. And screw the Martians. That. If they, they don't like that. it, they can vaporize <laughs> us, they can invade, they can sue, whatever it is they do. But I think we should go for broke. And she said, your colleagues will never go for that. And I said, I think you're right about that. <laughs> so how about, and this was a, a compromise, instead of the universe <clears throat> or Texas, we compromise in the middle to the and world. make it the live music capital of the world. And so, that's when we instructed Bob Meyer to start doing research about different cities to make sure that we didn't mm-hmm. say something that was not accurate. And at the time, research done showed that no other city in America had as much live music going on as Austin did, even beating out New York City. Once they came up with the slogan, it had to go through the process of being adopted. So anyhow, we, we did have a discussion about, well, how we got, now that we've declared it to be so, how are we going to promote it? So we put it on uh, our stationery. We put it on uh, the bills that we sent out to the utility customers. We put it on the back of the envelopes. No, you didn't. We didn't? No, we suggested that, but they never did. We didn't make it? No. Are you sure? Yeah. I thought we did that. No, as a matter of fact, that was one of the things. I talked to two different mayors, and I don't even remember which one, to just on the back of the utility envelope put, support live music, go hear a band today, or something like that. Never happened. I thought I saw that. I must have just... Made that you wanted up in it my to mind happen because, yeah, um, it might have been on the letterhead initially, but it went away. And what happened was the uh, Austin Convention and Visitors Bureau adopted it as a slogan, and they had several different slogans throughout the years. But then a time came when Branson, Missouri, was trying to get that slogan, and it was a problem. So that's when they, I guess, I don't know if you can copyright it, whatever the Convention and Visitors. Bureau mm-hmm. did to preserve their ownership mm-hmm. in that title. And then when I was working at the airport, we had a a launch of an airline that went to Branson, Missouri, and they got up there and they called themselves the live music show capital of the world. They just mm-hmm. stuck the word show in there mm-hmm. and basically stole our slogan. Branson may still be using the co-opted slogan, but even they know that Austin is the world's true live music capital. Texas Governor Greg Abbott took a moment this week to celebrate the 30th anniversary of the Texas Music Office. The Texas Music Office, or the TMO, serves the Texas music industry by creating new opportunities and connecting businesses and communities all across the state. The TMO acts as a clearinghouse for Texas music industry information, serves as a liaison between music businesses and government agencies, publicizes significant developments within the industry, and attracts essential music industry to foster local job growth and economic development for Texas communities, Texas music businesses, and Texas musicians. In a statement, Abbott said, quote, Texas has developed a vibrant music industry statewide thanks to the Texas Music Office's tireless efforts in the past 30 years. Texas is now where live music lives, and that is a competitive advantage, helping the Lone Star State to attract major capital investments, culturally diverse talent, and new jobs across industries. 
In the last year alone, the Texas Music Office's economic impact study showed that the industry generated $23.4 billion in economic activity in communities large and small around the state. The state of Texas is grateful for all the work that the Texas Music Office's teams have done in the past 30 years, and I look forward to what's in store for the next 30, unquote. And with that, we'll wrap up this edition of Live Music Capital, powered by Austin City Jams. Check out my website, ericlikem.com. If you'd like to support the mission of Live Music Capital, please consider a donation to my PayPal, ericradio at yahoo.com, or Venmo at eric-likem. On behalf of our announcer, Mark Waldy, this is Eric Likem, thanking you for listening, liking, commenting, and sharing. Take care, and I'll be back soon with another Live Music Capital.